All right, good morning. Welcome to Submerge Church. I'm one of two pastors here at Submerge. Just want to extend a, a very warm welcome to you all on behalf of myself and my co-pastor Bob. Uh, this is a special Sunday this morning. It's Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Hosanna. You guys see that crowd? Hosanna! Hey, there we go. Save, save us. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, uh, years ago, there was a, a skit that Mad TV did, and uh, obviously I wouldn't recommend everything that they produce, nor anything that SNL produces anymore. Anyway, uh, the, the skit was, uh, it was about Saturn. You guys probably know the, the tagline. It's, now the company is no more, but Saturn Car Company, it's, it's, uh, their, their, their slogan was, a different kind of car, a different kind of company. And uh, in this particular episode, this family had just bought this new van. They, they got home like, oh, we're so excited. And then the, the, door, the doorbell rings, ding dong. They go, and there's this like representative standing there, hi, you know, <laughs> with a real creepy smile on their face like, hey, oh yeah, so-and-so from the Saturn dealership. We just wanted to make sure you got home okay in your new car. How are you liking it? Oh yeah, it's really great. Thank you so much. And oh, that's wonderful. And then they, they kind of walk in and start talking, close the door, ding dong. Then the, door, the doorbell rings again. <laughs> there's another guy standing there. Oh, it's so-and-so from Saturn. Oh, thanks. Have you read the instruction manual for your new Saturn car yet? <laughs> uh, no, you would probably want to do that as soon as possible. To <laughs> and, then, and then another person comes, hi. There's like two Saturn representatives. We're so glad you're part of the Saturn family. Were you planning on coming to the, the, the Saturn uh, family picnic this Saturday? Oh, sorry. You know, the couple's like getting really, you know, oh, sorry, we can't, we can't come. You know, our, our son's got this. Oh, but you have to come to the Saturn, co the Saturn company. You're part, you're part of the Saturn family now. And then the, the mom finally, you know, they're just getting frustrated. The mom's finally like, it's just a car. And then the lady from Saturn, wham, slaps her across the face. And then they, they pull him away. Oh, my goodness. It was so funny. But uh, I don't, that being said, uh, the title of this message, you know, a different kind of car, a different kind of company, uh, you know, they were painting it, you know, this, this company's creeper. They do things differently. Well, uh, this morning I'll be giving a Palm Sunday message that some may deem as unconventional. But oh yes, I'll be sharing about the humble king who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. But I will also be sharing about a different kind of king who probably doesn't get mentioned very often on Palm Sunday, let alone any Sunday of the year in America, unfortunately. Uh, but I trust that this will be a motivating and encouraging message for each of us uh, for these times that we're living in. So if you'd please pray once again with me that the Lord speaks to us. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. I pray that we would look at you in a new light this morning, Jesus. You, uh, your omniscience, your omnipotence, your omnipresence, your immutable. We can't even begin to start describing you. Lord of lords, King of kings, the behold, the Lamb of God, worthy is the Lamb. So many th ways that we can describe you, and it doesn't even do justice to who you are. I pray you'd give us a bigger picture of you today. I pray you'd show us that, yes, you are a humble king but you're also a powerful king. You're a king of kings. Your wrath is coming. And I pray that we would live these days wisely, with great discernment, looking forward to your return. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, the big idea today, if you remember anything, is add Maranatha to your Hosanna. Add Maranatha to your Hosanna. 
If you don't know what those mean, that's okay. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. But that's, that's the big idea for today. So first, we're going to talk about the humble king. We'll talk about the humble king first. This is the nice, calm, mild Jesus that people like to talk about. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines humility as freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. So that's humility, according to Merriam-Webster. Probably not the 18, what's the one you have, Michelle? 18... No, oh, that's no, no, the Webster Dictionary you have? Oh, yeah, 1828. Thank you. Okay, 1828. All right, so words change over time, so it's good to look back at what they truly used to mean, and then, of course, the culture changes anyway. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right, what's, what's being pushed? The definition for humble is not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. So what, one word that's used in the Bible for humble uh, in Hebrew is ani, which means poor, afflicted, humble, lowly. And that particular Hebrew word is used in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. This is, of course, the prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. What an incredible prophecy. We see the words king are in there, humble is in there, donkey is in there. And we see this prophecy from Zechariah fulfilled by Jesus in the Gospels on that day that we now celebrate as Palm Sunday, which happens to be today. Let's, let's take a look at that. It's mentioned in all four Gospels. We're going to look at Matthew 21, verses 4 through 9 again. So if you do have your Bibles, please uh, read this with me. I know Austin read it again, but just because you brush your teeth today doesn't mean you can't brush your teeth tomorrow. We've got to keep reading the Word of God every day, right? Again and again. I, I tell my kids that, oh, I already, I already took a shower. <laughs> when did you do that? Oh, it was like a week ago, you know. Anyway, actually, that, that never happens. Haley's pretty good about keeping our kids clean. So... Uh, Verse 4 of chapter 21 in Matthew. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. To quickly clarify, Matthew is the only gospel that mentions a donkey and her colt. The other gospels only mention the colt or young donkey. So does that mean that uh, it's contradicting itself? No. Remember, there's one gospel that talks about one angel by the empty tomb, and the other go- there's another gospel where it talks about two angels. See, each author that wrote one of the gospels has a different perspective, so just because they didn't mention, be like somebody asking, like, hey, who'd you have over for dinner last night? Oh, yeah, we had, uh, we had the, the legates over. We had Neil, Amy, and Ryan, and, and uh, Eden all over. Okay, and then somebody might ask my kids, hey, who'd, who'd you guys have for dinner last night? Uh, yeah, we had some, some people from the country... You know, different perspective. 
Are, so do those stories contradict each other? No, it's just, it's just how they saw it. So, so Ma Matthew, for some reason, was the only one who mentioned uh, two donkeys. Anyway, uh, one explanation is that they let the mother donkey follow along with the colt, still being emotionally attached to one another. Mark and Luke mentioned that it was a colt on which no one has ever yet sat. Now, that's really notable. Uh, any, anyone who's done any training with livestock, uh, I, I've been involved a little bit. I, I went to Box T uh, Bible and Saddle Camp uh, where, where we learned about what it takes to break a horse, you know, and, and you have one that's never been ridden, and man alive, that's a lot of work, a lot of training to, to uh, break their will so that they obey the one who's riding. It's, it's a lot. So ho horses have a very strong will, okay? Um, and that's part of parenting that one of my and Haley's goals is to <laughs> break the will of our children without breaking their spirit. You want to you break their will to obey authority, but, but, not, but not crush their spirit. And there's a fine balance in doing that. So anyway, it's notable that this cult never, never had had anyone sit on it before. So it emphasizes the all-supremacy and godhood of Jesus Christ to control a beast that had not yet been broken. It's like, he's the God of the universe. No one's ridden that cult before? No problem. Guess what, buddy? The, the person who created you is sitting on you right now. You, you, you will do exactly as I tell you. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, Hosanna, definition. Uh, some, uh, save now is a pretty popular one that I found, or, or please save us. Definitely the word save is part of Hosanna. So save now or please save us. So that's basically what the people were crying out. Save now, please save us. Okay? Uh, it is believed that many of the people in the crowd thought that Jesus was coming to save them from the Romans and to overthrow their governmental rule, establishing himself as the king and supreme ruler. But that wasn't the goal of this king, at least not this time around. With that being said, here's the real point of focus that I wanna highlight from this story. Zechariah told us that when the new king comes, he will bring salvation, but he will be a humble king. He will be on a donkey, not a war horse. This is very, um, very symbolic. In ancient Middle Eastern, in the ancient Middle Eastern world, kings and leaders rode on horses if they rode to war, but they rode on donkeys if they came in peace. This king did not demand his own way. He did not slaughter those who disagreed with his reign. Instead, he allowed his enemies to overtake him, and through his weakness, through his humility, he conquered. You see... Anytime someone's threatened by another leader, another political force, they want to do anything they can to take that potential king, potential political leader out of the equation. They, they do whatever they can to destroy them. But little did they know that that was all part of Jesus' plan. And, and I'm going to mention something real quickly. Uh, you, you guys know, and by me saying this, I'm, I am not at all saying that Trump is a savior by any means, but isn't it interesting how he was indicted this week and just uh, the great repercussions that that's having on our country. I know Tony Perkins brought that up uh, in, in the Washington Watch, um, and the guy that covers for him talked about it, but th this, is, this is a very serious thing that's happening in our country, and, we're, and we are literally falling into a banana republic as we're watching political forces take out other political forces. But it's not the first time it's happened. They, they, they did that. They did that with Jesus when he came in. But Jesus, of course, that was all part of his plan. It was all part of his plan. He knew exactly what he was doing. He allowed himself 
to be conquered, and through his humility, he defeated the grave. He defeated sin. And his victory came at a, at a great cost, at the cross, as we know, uh, which we, we will one day be celebrating with the multitudes in heaven, just as they were celebrating on Palm Sunday. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So in, in one way, what we saw here over 2,000 years, or yeah, around 2,000 years ago could have been just kind of a picture, a foreshadowing of what's gonna be happening in heaven. Uh, as, as the multitudes are praying, you know, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. So no, notice, look, look at the symbolism here. It says they're clothed in white robes. That's symbolic of being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, a quality mentioned only to those who are redeemed and, and worn in the presence of God, perhaps even indicating uh, the priestly service of the multitude, potentially, with palm branches in their hands. It immediately reminds us of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Another passage, uh, John 12, verses 12 through 15, that you could look at. John 12, 12 through 15 is another recording of the triumphal entry, where Jesus was also praised as Savior and King. And uh, once again, as we talked about, the word Hosanna means save now. Like, save us. Please save us now. Palm branches were emblems of victory. Some of you may already knew, knew that, maybe some others didn't, but a palm branch, that, that was an emblem of victory. It shows this great multitude is celebrating a great victory. Notice they're crying out with a loud voice, so that indicates uh, an important announcement that should be given attention. And what was that announcement? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Having a symbol of righteousness, these white robes, and an emblem of victory, the palm branches, the great multitude worships God and the Lamb for salvation. As they celebrate their salvation, they recognize that God, through Jesus Christ, is the source of salvation and nothing and no one else. The question for us here, have you accepted this great victory? Have you personally accepted this great victory, this salvation that the humble King Jesus has provided for you. Will you be included in the great multitude, celebrating in the presence of God and of the Lamb? Make your, your decision today. Make your decision today, because soon there is a different kind of king coming. Let's talk about this different kind of king. The king of kings. And just from the paintings I found, quite a stark contrast, isn't it? So remember the crowd on Palm Sunday that thought Jesus was coming to save them from the Romans? Well, I think they may have confused the prophecy in Zechariah 9 verse 9 with this passage from Psalm chapter 2 verses 5 through 12. And note that uh, the words in bold uh, we will be comparing to another passage doing some cross-referencing. So, so if you see a word that's bolded, that word is going to show up in another passage. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell 
of the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. In the ends of the earth, your possession, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Very powerful passage. Now, this passage from the second psalm seems to be fulfilled, at least in part, if not fully, in Revelation chapter 19, when the king of kings come. Uh, so let's take a look at that once again. This is Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven open, and, and notice there will be some bold words that were in the passage before. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. We're just saying about that. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a contrast, this king from the humble king who rode in on a donkey. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to mess with this king of kings. I would rather take refuge in him, as Psalm 2 says, to take refuge in him. You don't want to fight this guy. You, you want to take refuge in him. And Christians, brothers and sisters this morning, we, we can take refuge in Jesus right now. He is standing at the throne, next to the, next to the throne, advocating on our behalf, and he's going to come back like, like this. And that will be a glorious day for us. It'll be a terrifying day for those who don't know him. The king is also quite different from the false savior, the great general, perhaps the Antichrist, who's mentioned in Revelation 6, verse 2. So we're going to do uh, another little cross-examination here. So, so here's what Revelation 6, 2 says. And then you can even see by the drawing depicted, uh, there's some differences. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. Ah, there's our Prince Charming riding in on his white horse, right? Whoever's on a white horse is always the good guy. This is only someone trying to look like and, in, and imitate Jesus. The horseman here had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. This description does not match up with the real Jesus in Revelation 19 that we just read, who is armed with a sharp sword, right? And he has an iron rod to rule. And he has many royal crowns. Now this is also 
a, a big difference between these two passages, uh, crown, uh, crowns or, or diadems on his head. And he has the armies of heaven following him. This guy was just on his own, uh, also on white horses. The bow here in this um, picture is a symbol of war and conquering, but notice no, no arrows are mentioned. There's no arrows mentioned. This could be part of the deception of the rider bringing a threat of war with his bow, but with no arrows to fire, it could be like a, a cold war of sorts, perhaps. Uh, the absence of arrows could also imply that this victory is a bloodless one where, where a peace is won by a covenant and agreement and not by war. The rider brings great hopes for peace, but it is a false peace, one that will not last, as one can see when the second horseman comes. Because remember, when the second horse, horseman comes, that horseman, people call it the, the, the war horse, but really it says the second horseman was, was given the power to take peace away. And then what's the natural state of man? So we have to realize peace, peace is a gift from God. And when someone comes in and removes that peace, what do we see happening in our country right now? Even this last week, the hate, the vileness. There was supposed to be a trans day of vengeance on Saturday in D.C. that got canceled because of the threats that they were facing. Uh, you guys know the story, but my goodness, just the, the hate, the vileness, the animosity, uh, it's, it's increasing. So I'm wondering, is the second horseman already here? Who, who knows? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things keep unfolding. Anyway, um, obviously not the first time in history that people have been mad at each other, but a lot, lot of interesting things happening in our, in our day, that's for sure. Uh, only, only Jesus can bring true and lasting peace. Uh, the, the, the horseman was given a crown. Notice he was given a crown. Whereas Jesus has many royal crowns or diadems, and the Greek word there is, is diadema for, for, for diadem. So that means like a royal crown. This, this rider's crown is a wreath style, and you can kind of see it from the photo there. He's, he's, got, he's got that wreath. You know, so th this, is a, this is a wreath style crown uh, or a, a victor's crown. So the Greek would be Stephanos. Stephanos, and it's like one given to a winning athlete or a military conqueror, indicating that he, he will be given victory and has some, some authority. But the key phrase is given to him. The crown was given to him. So this deceiving horseman has no authority or victory except that which is given to him. Just like when Jesus was talking to Pontius Pilate, right? You have no authority except that which God gives to you. The lamb is truly in control and limits authority as he wishes. Satan can only do what God allows him to do. Just like in Job. You know, Satan had to go ask, hey, let me give Job a bad time and let's see if he's still worshiping you, okay? But, but Satan can only do what God allows him. So the phrase conquering and to conquer indicates that the goal of this writer is to rule over others by conquest. Um, and as is evident later in Revelation, there are these are descriptive details related to the beast, conquering and to conquer. You see that later in Revelation. Good, good time to read Revelation if you haven't ever read it or haven't read it for a while. The Lord is going to come. Hold on. Oh, I, I just jumped ahead. Okay. One, <laughs> so now back to the real king of kings. It says this. The name 
by which he is called is the word of God. Okay, remember that from the passage. The name by which he is called is the word of God. John uses this name for Jesus in the beginning of his gospel. Let's look at John chapter one, verse one. Many of you know this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Wow. Well, of course, John wrote John and Revelation, but at least he's staying consistent, right? The word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 tells us, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So it is, is it any wonder or mystery that in Revelation 19.15, it says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The rider, this rider on a white horse, the king of kings, and Lord of Lords, who is called the Word of God, has a sharp sword coming out of his mouth, which is the Word of God. The Lord is going to come against all the assembled armies of the earth and all the hordes under the control of the Antichrist, and he has only one weapon, and it's a sword coming out of his mouth. And this is clearly symbolic. Remember, remember when we looked at Psalm 2, verse 5, it said, then he will speak to them in his wrath. So it, it brings us to remember that wonderful phrase that we just sang this morning in Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. One little word shall fell him. One little word from Jesus. L listen to this, people. One little word from Jesus will destroy the devil. That's how power, amen. That's how powerful he is. One word is all it's going to take to bring victory to the king of kings. One word. The power that God has conveyed is in his word. Pastor Bob has preached on this many times. That's how he made the universe. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke. Jesus said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. All he had to do was speak to the wind and the waves, and they recognized the voice of the one who created them, and they obeyed. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out from his grave. He didn't go do some big medical procedure, mix some concoction. All he did was speak, and Lazarus came out. Pharisees weren't too happy about that, by the way. There's uh, some, some research I've done that said that there, it's very, very likely that Lazarus was, was part of that crowd. Uh, and And... You know, and Jesus' fame was increasing. I mean, my goodness, like, whoa, this guy was dead and now he's alive because, you know, and, and, and just the, the Pharisees just riot. You know, of course, they wanted to kill Lazarus. Like, we got to get rid of this guy. Jesus is becoming too popular. The whole world is going after him. Once again, we see that, that, that jealousness in, in, in rulership uh, with the political leaders of the day. Remember, the, Phar the Pharisees were the spiritual leaders and the political leaders, okay? And, and Jesus confronted them. Jesus, and, and they didn't like him at all which is why they killed him. One little word is all it's going to take to bring victory to the king of kings. Okay, so once again, um, all Jesus is going to need to do is to shout a word or even whisper a word and all his enemies will be defeated. In 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. <sighs> You're done, lawless one. That's all he's going to have to do. Just, <sighs> and phew. the abomination that causes desolation will be brought to nothing. 
That's how powerful our Lord Jesus Christ is. He's just going to have to breathe. <laughs> and he will defeat Satan, the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet. Amen. Thinking of this makes me long for his return, doesn't it? I mean, we see all this wickedness, this evil. All right, Jesus, come, come breathe on these people that are destroying our country. Uh, you know, I, I, I relate with these people that saw Jesus on the donkey, like, yeah, get these Romans out of here. <laughs> you know, defeat them. They're ruining our lives, eating all our steak. Uh, th think, it makes me long for his return to, to make, come back and make everything right. Come, Lord Jesus, as it says in Revelation 22, verse 20. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a term in the Bible for this longing. It's called Maranatha. Some of you know it. It's called Maranatha. There's a, that's the term for this longing. It's, only, it's really only mentioned once in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 22. Some versions don't even have that word Maranatha. That's... It's a, ESV, for example, didn't, so I put up the um, uh, New American Standard Bible, 1995. Uh, if, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. And what does Maranatha mean? It means, oh, Lord, come, or oh, our Lord, come. Okay? So we have Hosanna, we have Maranatha. This Palm Sunday, let us accept and celebrate the humble king who has saved us from our sins, but let us also take refuge in the king of kings as we ask him to come back soon in righteous judgment. And I think it's good and right for us to pray that. Come, come back, come back, Lord Jesus. You know, uh, when my kids are at home and I'm busy doing something and, Dad! I need your help. Can you help, help me, please? Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm working on this. Dad, and, but if they keep doing it again and again and again, you know what? Finally, like, oh, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> and, then, and then I go. I think we need to be like that with Jesus. Okay, Jesus, come back. I've said that so many times, standing in front of that place of death, which is now in Moorhead, where people choose to shed the blood of their own child. I'm like, Jesus, don't you see this? Please, please come. Stop them. Come back. Come back soon, Lord Jesus. He will. He will. So, uh, the big idea once again today, add Maranatha to your Hosanna. Add Maranatha to your Hosanna. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, uh, invite you to join us in partaking in the Lord's Supper. You probably notice up there, this was intentional. There's a combination of palm branches and a crown of thorns. Uh, we won't be having our own Good Friday service. As you know, we're kind of limited on our meeting locations. But uh, I just thought I'd put that out as a reminder that even though, yes, today is a day to celebrate, we praise Jesus for coming, for riding in. But just knowing that, as Austin even mentioned, just, just a matter of days later, the tides turned and he paid the ultimate price for us. So uh, um Always, you know, mixed emotions during this, this time, this, this holy week as we celebrate Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter. Uh, just remembering the pain, the suffering that Jesus went through for us and yet rejoicing that we've been redeemed. Uh, what, what a beautiful time this is. So just really encourage you to take time to reflect on that today. Uh, once again, you, you are not required to be a member of Submerged Church. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we invite you to join us uh, in partaking in the Lord's Supper. And, and as usual, if anyone needs to refrain for any reason, uh, that's totally fine. You can just remain seated. 
Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you, that you did come as a humble king, Lord. You, you knew exactly what you were getting into, the suffering that you were going to face only days later after riding into Jerusalem, and yet you still did it. You got on that donkey, you rode in. You even saw the faces of people praising, knowing that days later, even, yep, that person right there, they're going to be crying out, crucify me in just a matter of days. You knew it, and you still did it. You were obedient even unto death. We praise you for that, Jesus. We thank you. We celebrate your triumphal entry today. And Lord, we remember the price that you paid as we approach Good Friday at the end of this week. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being that humble king. And and Jesus, thank you for the hope that we have, that you didn't just abandon us here. You're coming back. You're coming soon. Lord Jesus, we pray. Maranatha, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We look forward to your return. So, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, touch each of our hearts during this time as we partake in the Lord's Supper uh, and bless us as we remember you and the price that you paid. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.